0: Hey, this is Lane Yarrick, one of the servant leaders here at Ethos. Thank you so much for tuning in to Heart Podcast. We hope you can lean in and enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning again, everybody. Are you glad to be here today? Come on, somebody. It's so good. So good to, to see you all. And once again, I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. We're so glad that you're hanging out with us today as well, whether on Facebook or YouTube. And we really consider you to be a part of our family as well. Can we join in welcoming all of our guests who are watching online today, too? So glad that you're here. Well, um, man, we, we are in week two today of our series Axioms for Life, and uh, and if you brought your if you brought your devotional with you, awesome. Uh, because week two kicks off today with day number eight of the devotional, it actually goes hand in hand, kind of just correlates with our with our series that we're in. In fact, over the course of this past week, if you were able to kind of engage in the devotional, whether physically or these are all available online as well in, in digital format, then you were able to read through James chapter one, kind of slowly, really unpacking what James is talking about through that first chapter, which is also what we discussed and talked about last week uh, in our in our kickoff message to this series. So if you guys this today Great, and we're going to pick up on day number eight, you're able to take some notes there. If you don't, you can actually grab one of these physical copies at our In This Together table as soon as we dismiss later on this morning. So we invite you to grab one of these, and if you prefer a digital copy, again, you can download those uh, through our website through our website as well. And as Vinny mentioned, yesterday, alongside of, of partnering with the Bear Foundation, uh, we were also at the exact same time, kind of simultaneously, uh, one of the servant leaders right here at Ethos was able to cook a bunch—he had a passion for barbecue. How many of you know that's a good passion to have? Come on, that's a really good passion. And Greg Gibbs, I don't know where he's, he's here somewhere. I saw him earlier, but but he, he just asked, he said, hey, can can I partner with you guys and provide some barbecue meals, some fresh, right off the grill barbecue, right off the smoker, actually, right? Is the smoker? I know nothing about barbecuing, but I love to eat me some barbecue, you know what I mean? And but I mean he's provided some fresh pooled pork for several of our families that we partner with and are connected to uh, through our grocery give that we do every other. Every other Saturday, and so I just wanted to give a huge shout out to the team of people alongside of Greg Gibbs for able to serve those fresh meals that's incredible. really awesome. so I thank you and all of the servant leaders who served yesterday in that really hot weather with the, uh, just the, with, with the really awesome cicadas that were flying around the property there that was it was really, really cool. It was a lot of fun killing those things all day long so uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was it was a really good time. Um, lastly, I do I do want to just highlight really quick. I know it was highlighted in the announcement. I just I just want to make sure that like you catch this. Uh, if you serve in any capacity here at Ethos, we have got a really great evening planned for you on Friday night. This coming Friday night, June 18th, starts at seven o'clock. Free food trucks, inflatables for your kids. We're, we even got some. We even got a, a inflatable for the adults. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. We made sure we we made sure that we hooked the adults up too. Um, and we're gonna have a bunch of other stuff going on at the same time. Uh, it's going a really great night. So, I want to encourage you to swing by and stop out. If you serve in any capacity, servant leader here, or you've, you've served in a group over the last couple years in any capacity, we, we would love for you to come out, bring your friends, bring your family, really, and uh, and, uh, and I think it's going to be a really great time. We, we really just wanted to create an evening where we just honored uh, so just the people that kind of make this thing go, and uh, and so that's all of our servant leaders. And so we're we're just we're really appreciative of you all. And we, we love you deeply, and, and hopefully this night kind of kind of expresses some of that love. So you don't have to bring anything. Don't bring anything. Just bring yourself. Uh, maybe bring a friend, and uh, and then we're gonna we have a good evening. Cool. All right, let's, let's jump in. Axioms for life. We're, we're talking through, we're studying through the book of James, and, and that's why we're calling it Axioms for Life, because a lot of scholars actually refer to, refer to this book as, the, as the, the Proverbs of the New Testament. And as we're going through this study on the book of James, we, we discussed last week that James was, of course, written by the half-brother of Jesus. Kind of, kind of crazy. The author of this book actually had some skin in the game as it relates to his personal relationship with Jesus, and interestingly enough, James, the half brother of Jesus, did not believe anything that Jesus had to say. Like when Jesus said, "Hey, I'm the Son of God," we actually have it on record that James was like, "You're crazy, bro," because if your brother came to you and said, "Hey, hey, I'm, hey Ryan, I'm the Son of God," we, we, we'd be like, "You're, you're something," but ain't the Son of God, you know? Until Jesus then predicted his own death. Was buried behind a tomb, then raised from the dead three days later, at which point then stood before James and was like, hey, do you believe me now? And James was like, yes, I absolutely believe you now. Which is the same thing that we would experience as well, which is why the book of James is actually one of the greatest apologetic arguments that we have as to the sonship and the lordship and the saviorship and the resurrection of of Jesus. And so as we read through this book, I think it's important to realize that like James was re- he was up close and personal with Jesus. So he he knew him and saw him for who he for who he he really was. In fact, James so sold out to his faith in Jesus that somewhere around 62 AD, he was actually killed for he was martyred for his faith. Like he he took it all the way to to death which is pretty crazy, but just before that, James was a, a leader in the church at Jerusalem, the, one of the earliest churches that was ever established, and he gave us this book, this, this book that again we refer to as the, as the book of James. And, and James really highlights, this is what we're talking about during this five-week series that we're in, and really what we're trying to highlight throughout this devotion that we're engaging in every day as well, but we're talking about kind of the, the five marks of maturity that, that James himself kind of lays out. James identifies about seven challenges within the, the earth early church there in Jerusalem. And if you were here last week, you you, you may remember this. If you weren't, you can go back to YouTube or or check out the podcast. But James identifies about seven challenges, and it's because of those challenges, those issues that the early church was facing, that James wrote this letter. Furthermore, James identifies for us that really the, the thing that we all need to do in order to overcome these challenges is to grow in our faith, to increase in our spiritual maturity. Everybody says spiritual maturity. We've got to increase in our spiritual maturity. And so this is what James says. He, he lays out for us these five marks of maturity, and, and these also just happen to be the five titles for our series that we're in, the, the book of James Axioms for Life." It, the first one we talked about last week is "Learning How to Become Patient and Testing." that this is. Learning to become patient in testing is a way in which we, we actually grow in our faith. It's a sign of spiritual maturity, not running from testing, but actually recognizing that testing is used to our benefit, not to, not to our detriment. And then the next mark of maturity is, is somebody who learns how to, that we learn and we grow in practicing the truth, the truth of God's word, learning how to have power over your tongue. How many of you know that one right there? is one that we could maybe, you know, lean into a little bit this day and age. Maybe not, we'll see. peacemaker, not a troublemaker, right? Becoming prayerful in troubles. We're going to conclude on week 5 with learning how to really pray in times of trouble. Like what does James teach us about what prayer looks like when we're going through a challenging we're going through a, challenge, a challenging season. So, so today, I want to share from the title of practice the truth. We're, we're going to talk about, as James, as James refers to it, as the mark of spiritual maturity as it relates to learning how to practice the truth. So in the greatest pound-for-pound NBA player's word, Allen Iverson of all time, we're talking about practice, y'all. We're, we're, we're talking about practice, Okay. If you if you're too young to know who Alan Iverson is, maybe you know him, but you're like, was he really that great? You, you're too young. <laughs> you're too young. I'm just kidding. Let's um let's pray though as we as we lean into this. Is that okay. I, I really do believe in the in the power of prayer, and that we don't just use prayer for times of transition at church, but we, we use prayer because it's the way in which God uh, meets us and honors what it is that we're asking in these moments. So, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would really make up the distance right now between. Uh, just where we are and where you're calling us to be that we would really lean into the truth of your word in these moments That we would grow together no matter where our faith is in this in this moment Maybe we're newer to faith. Maybe we're still kind of skeptical about about who you are God, just meet us meet us right there. We we, we, we want to know you we want to see you for who you for who you really are We pray that in Jesus name. Amen Amen if you um, if you ever come to if you ever come to our home to to my house, there's there's a few things that you're going to experience. The, the first is you would definitely experience some good cooking. Like I, my my wife is a she's a really good she's a really good cook, and, and I'm really you know blessed God I'm thankful for it, right? And so you're experiencing good cooking. You're also going to experience a lot of loud noises. Like we we play loud. Like my kids, they're very loud children, and they take after their mom, and it's it's crazy, but they, it's just an inherited genetic trait that they received from her, and. And, and But the, the third thing you're going to experience, for sure, is you're going to experience and hear me say yes to things that I don't know I'm saying yes to. Just recently, Courtney had, had kind of called me out, and, and there was a, a conversation that, that I was having with my son, who was in another room, my son who turned seven in just a couple days, so mind you, he's a really little kid, and, and he's asking me of something to which I'm kind of focused on my task. And, and I hear him like, kind of like in my peripheral, and I, I'm like, yeah, buddy, and he starts to ask me something. Again, I don't really know what he's asking, I just said, okay, buddy, yep, sounds good. Sounds good, buddy, sure, yep, sounds good. And then in my peripheral over here, I, I sense, I have this sixth sense, as every husband does, that my wife is staring at me, very straight-faced. <laughs> and I, and I kind of look, and I'm like, yeah, what's up? Do you have any idea what you just said yes to? No, why? He's seven, it can't be that big of a deal. She's like, you just like agreed to take them to ice cream for like the seventeenth evening in a row, you know, like like you gotta pay attention, Jordan, to what you're saying yes to because you actually have to now do the thing that you are now saying that you're saying yes to. Well, James actually has a lot to say about the way in which we hear things and how that should correlate to the way in which we, we do things. In fact, we're going to kind of just conclude the first chapter of James, and then we're going to dive into the, the first few verses of the second chapter. But listen to what James says as he kind of begins to unwind the, the first chapter. Mind you that the book of James, and all the Bible for that matter, was not written in chapter and verse form, it was just one continuous letter, so sometimes we kind of stop but really, the thought of James continues. So as we as we jump into even chapter 2 here in just a moment, I'll, I want you to recognize that it wasn't like there was a brand new thought that James was trying to unpack now. No, no, he one continuous thought here, and this will make sense in a moment. But James begins by saying, humbly accept the word of God, the word of truth that's been planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just check this out. You've heard this. Some of you, some of you have heard this before, but. Don't just listen to God's word, right? Like, don't just listen to your son, Jordan. Like, you gotta do, you gotta do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word, but you don't obey it. It's sort of like glancing at your face in a a mirror, right? And you see yourself, and you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, I love that he refers to God's word as the perfect, the perfect law, the good law, the great law, it's gonna set you free. And if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. How good is that? He says if you, if you don't just hear it, but you do it, then God's going gonna to bless you for it. Essentially what James is saying is it's not the hearing of God's Word, but it's the, it's the doing of God's Word that brings about God's blessing in our life, right? Like spirituality isn't a result of hearing more of God's Word. Here, spirituality and growing in our faith isn't a result of reading more of the Bible. It's not a result of downloading more and more podcasts. It's, it's not a result of just hanging out with friends in a small group studies. It's actually a result of those things, yes, those things are good, but then actually leaving that place and having conviction in our heart, like the desire within us to then actually do those things, to actually put them put them into, into practice. Because we can mark up our Bibles all we want, but it's not until the Bible really begins to mark us that's good, that's good. that God's blessing begins to formulate in our life, that we begin to experience the growth of, of spiritual maturity, the growth that God, God desires. I begin thinking about the word mirror, or this illustration, this analogy that Paul gives us, or rather that James, I'm sorry, that James talks about here in, in his first chapter of, of the book of James. Now, I started thinking about what's the main objective, like the main goal of a mirror? I mean, you, you know this. Maybe we'd all say it slightly differently, but I, I thought a mirror is used for examination, right? Like we, we use it to examine ourselves. Sometimes we use those like, really crazy mirrors where they're like slightly inward, I don't know what they're called, and you can really, like that. a lot of women use to do their makeup, and you see things, you're like, why would you ever use that mirror? Like, you, you see things, why would you ever want to see that? Like, just, <laughs> nobody else can see that. Why do you want to see that right now? That makes, no, that makes, by the way, that makes no sense to me at all. But, but nevertheless, it's used, to, it's used to examine ourselves. H- here's the reality. That. In a mirror, in a mirror, we see ourselves for who we really are. What James is saying is that in God's word, we begin to see ourselves for, for who we really are. Let me, let me unpack this just a little bit further. Hearing God's word, you've got to catch this right here. If you're taking notes, this is a, this is a good spot to write, write this down right here. If hearing God's word and talking about God's word can never really substitute for doing God's word. We we, Christians, we we myself included, because remember we're, we're in this together, right? Like this isn't a this isn't like a he said she said. This is a together thing. We're growing together as a church, right? Like like we do not desire here at Ethos to simply be a segregated group of people. No, we are one body, one family, growing together. But what I've identified in my own life, and this through the cumulative experiences of talking with so many other people, is that we're really good about we're really good at talking about God's word. We're just we struggle. Let's just be honest. Let's call it what it is. It's called spade of spade, right? Like we struggle though at, at doing God's word. And James wanted to help us practice God's word. And so he gave us a simple test. Now again, this is so important that we recognize that James goes right from talking about don't just hear God's word, but do God's word, and then he picks up in chapter 2, but he doesn't actually pick up. It wasn't as though James wrote chapter 1 down, put the pen down, walked away, and a week later decided he's going to now begin chapter 2. This is one continuous thought, and the way in which James wanted to relate to us, I think we missed this. So easy to miss this. But the way in which James wanted to relate to us, whether or not you and I, we as followers of Jesus. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you have you have a pass on this. And in fact, you can kind of just sit back, relax, and be like, "Yeah, I told you all are a bunch of hypocrites, and that's and it's 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 true." But, 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 but James wanted us to know, like, "Hey, if you really want to hear it and do it, then let me give you a test. Let me show you how to recognize in your own life if you're if you're not just a hearer but a, a doer too." And he picks up. Right here it is, in James chapter 2, verse 1, check this out, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, again he's talking to us, how can you claim, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? How can you claim to be a doer of God's word if if you favor some people and you kind of discriminate against others, or you kind of walk or turn your back? Towards others, Or you see the needs of some people and you meet them, but you see the needs of others and you decide, no, they're not worthy of me meeting their needs. For example, and I love this, James gives us this test right here, and this just kind of cuts right to the core of my, of my soul. He says, for example, suppose somebody comes into your meeting, comes into your church, that's specifically what James is talking about here. Suppose they come in, they're dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes, which, by the way, my daughter told me today I'm, I'm wearing my fancy clothes. You like my fancy clothes? I'm wearing my fancy clothes, and I'm sweating as a result of wearing my fancy clothes. Bad idea. He says, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in, in dirty clothes. If you, if you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can kind of stand over there, or else kind of go sit on the floor, well, doesn't that discrimination show that your judgments are guided? By evil motives? Now, now catch this, because what James is saying is that the way we behave toward people, it indicates what we really believe about God. He's given us this example here. And so I want to I lean in for the next seven verses of what James says here, and in a really short period of time, James, in just a few short verses, gives for us five, five things, five things that we believe, or that we ought to believe if we're followers of Jesus, but we, we, we believe these. Five things that we believe, and even as a church, we believe all five of these things, and as a result of believing them... It should then determine the way in which we, we behave. Let me, let me, let me unpack it like this. The first one is, we believe in, and here's our first blank, here's our first thing, we believe in the deity of Christ, or the sonship, the lordship of Christ, that Jesus is who He says He is. That's just, that's all that that means right there. Therefore we, we love well. Therefore we love people well. Now, now we've got to understand that Jewish people in this day, the day and age in which in which James is writing, the people specifically whom James, James is writing to, they, they coveted recognition and honor. They, they wanted to one-up each other constantly. In fact, we still have this same problem today, don't we? Like We, we still kind of struggle with like wanting to climb the pyramid, so to speak. We, we see this in politics, we see this in industry, we see this in society, and we still see it in the church. We see this in the church as well, and almost every church has its cliques. So rather than kind of being one family, we kind of become this segregated group of, of people. And often new Christians, or just new folk in, in general, kind of find it difficult to, to get in. I pray that that not be the heartbeat, that that not be the system, the structure, the identity of who, who we are at Ethos. But Jesus specifically spoke against this. In fact, at one point, some of the religious leaders of the day, they, they even said to Jesus, they like, Babe, you, you aren't swayed by men, are you? Like... You don't pay attention to who they are. Like you don't, you don't care what type of position of authority they have. Like Jesus, you seem to treat people who are nothing like you better than you treat people who are supposedly most like you. Like Jesus, he wasn't, he wasn't swayed by some of the things that we are swayed by. And This is how we've often heard it said, like he doesn't look at the outward appearance, does he? No, like Jesus looks at the heart. And we love that about Jesus, and we fall in love with that part of Jesus. But if we believe in Jesus for who he really is, that he's not just a historical figure. Like I was talking to my wife last night, I said, I think sometimes we kind of think of Jesus like Abraham Lincoln. We're like, oh yeah, Abe, he was a good guy, and I believe in Abe Lincoln. And then there was Jesus, he was a good guy too, and I believe in him too. No, no, we got to separate the fact that, no, no, who we be- what we believe about Jesus actually changes the way that we live. What we believe about Abe doesn't change the way that we, be- doesn't, it doesn't change the way we behave, but what we believe about Jesus should, it ought to change the way that we the way that we behave. Check this out. Jesus, kind of four obvious examples here in the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels. At one point, if you know some of these stories, you can resonate with this. That at one point, in the poor widow who gave her one singular mite, everybody else was like, that's not a lot. But it was everything that she had, Jesus said he, he saw a generous donation. like He saw the outward appearance, but he, he looked at the heart. In Simon Peter, who everybody else thought was kind of flaky, he saw a rock. In Matthew, the tax collector, everybody else kind of held at an arm's length, because Matthew, he's a tax collector. Whoa, hey, no, Maddie, Maddie, you're not welcome here, because you actually take advantage of the poor in order to make the rich even richer, including yourself. But Jesus saw a faithful disciple. In the woman at the well, he saw... He saw an evangelist. Again, he doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Now catch this. I I want us to get this right here. And maybe some of this feels elementary, but we're going to sink our teeth in here in kind of the last 11 minutes that we have together. But but Jesus, he, he was a friend of sinners. Catch this. Catch this. Though he disapproved of their sins, it was not compromise, but compassion that caused him to welcome all people. You catch that? We we gotta get this right here. In the day and age in which we live, as followers of Christ, we gotta we gotta understand this right here, which we're gonna talk more about that a little bit this this fall. But but Jesus, even at one point, he, he kinda rebuked and he corrected a group of people and he said, Hey, you gotta stop judging people by mere appearances. You gotta make a right judgment. You gotta look beneath the surface. You you gotta see what I see in people. You gotta you gotta view people through through my lens, through through through. Through the way in which I, through the way in which I view people, this is kind of my longest of these five points. And I want to conclude it with this with this thought that we cater to certain groups of people in hopes of getting something from them. This is usually why we play favorites. This is usually why we discriminate. Which, oh by the way, time out. You, you got to understand that. Like, and I know this. Some some people don't like that I talk about this, but you got to understand that that racism, it's 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 a gospel-centered issue. It's at the heart of Jesus because what we do is we we great and you say well I don't well okay all right but I think we really got to allow the Holy Spirit to examine our lives because I would say that there that there are racist tendencies in in myself I have prejudice tendencies in myself that we, we judge on outward appearance but but Jesus he looks at the heart of what's going on the heart of the matter. Right? And this is, this is what we do. Like we, we cater to certain groups of people because we, we think we can get something from them, but Jesus served all people. Why? Because he wanted to give something to them. So he sees beneath the surface. Why? Because, oh, i, I got to get something to you. You're broken, and i got to get something to you. You're hurting, i got to get something to you. The reason, the reason why you're hurting other people is because you yourself at the core of your heart are hurt. i got to get something to you. So he sees beneath the surface. The second thing that we believe in. That James discusses, we believe in the grace of God, therefore we love well. Look at what he says in, in verse 5 of James 2, listen to me then, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who, who will inherit the kingdom that He promised to those who, who love Him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose, na- whose noble name you bear? What's, what's, Jesus, what's James talking about here? He's saying that when it, when it comes to those who God makes His grace, His love, His mercy available to, he, God sees more than just our national differences. He sees more than our social differences. He sees more than our, than our economic differences. But check this out, Jesus actually broke down the walls between the rich and the poor, the young and the old, the educated and the uneducated. And, and we have got to understand that it is wrong for us to build higher walls once again, because we cannot rebuild walls that segregate us from other people we, 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 if we believe in the grace of God. And so whenever we find ourselves kind of catering to a certain group, we got to ask ourselves, why. Why do I find myself always with the kind of this, the people who are just like me? Why, why is that? And, 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 it, and it oftentimes it's not an intentional thing. Weston this morning in our team rally, he said culture. He said culture is either, it's either built by default or by design. Well, the same way, our love for people is usually either built and examined or rather, or rather displayed by default or by design, whether unintentionally or intentionally. And we got to intentionally give grace to, to all people. Now check this out. The third thing that James identifies is that we believe in the Word of God, that this is what we believe too as a community here at Ethos, therefore we, we, we love well. Now look what he says in, in verse 8, and this is, start, this is kind of where it starts to hit pretty, pretty hard here. He says, yes indeed, it's good when you obey the royal law as found in the Scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself, but if you favor Some people over others, you're committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all the laws except one of them is just as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said, don't murder. So if you murder somebody but you don't commit adultery, you've still broken the law. Essentially what James is saying here is that if you're going on 270 and you're pulled over for speeding and you tell the officer, officer! I know that I was going 13 miles over the speed limit. However, what you didn't see is that the stoplight before I got on the highway, I made a complete stop. The officer's going to be like, well, kudos to you. You still broke the law. And this is what James is saying. He's like, if you don't love your neighbor well, then you, you're, still, you're, still a, you're still a lawbreaker. And in recent years, there's been a lot of argument about kind of just the authority of God's, of God's word, the inspiration of of the truth of the scripture, and I think it's good to defend the truth, but we must must never forget that our lives are actually the best defense for God's word. Whether we treat people, it's the best defense for God's Word. D.L. Moody says it like this, that every Bible should be first bound in shoe leather. In other words, that that like the way in which we live, the walk in which we pursue, should be the way in which people read the Bible, so to speak, of our lives. And so when James says you got to love your neighbor, you got to obey the royal law of love, he's saying love your neighbor as yourself. What he's actually saying here is that neighbor is not a matter of geography, but neighbor is a matter of opportunity. Like, it's not to, it's not who is my neighbor, it's to whom can I be a neighbor, right? Like, this is, that's the story that Jesus reveals for us. Like, like, who's in need, that I have supply for, I should then, in return, meet their need. And James calls it the royal law, why? Because it's the law that's above every other law, that there would be no need for a thousand other complex laws if we simply obeyed the, the royal law. And so check this out. Christian love does not mean that I must like a person and agree with them on everything. That's not what Christian love is. Christian love is not the affirmation of all things that we don't believe in or agree with. That's not what Christian love is. Christian love means treating others the way that God treated me. It's an act of remembrance. Woo! This is big right here. It's not an act of will or an act of emotion. If you try to will yourself into loving people, you will eventually burn out. If you wait for an emotion to love people, you will be left waiting for a very long time. But if we remember the way that Jesus treated us. Every time we fix our attention on Jesus once again, that's the way in which the Spirit activates our own souls to live and operate and move and be in step with the Spirit of God. So, we want to live according to and by the strength that comes with the grace of God, then what do we do? We live in constant remembrance of who we are without Jesus, not just who we were. Sometimes we think that our faith and our salvation was a singular event. No, it's a daily remembrance that God's mercies are new every single morning, and as a result of remembering, I'm then activated by God's grace, what the Scriptures call, I'm anointed then to live on mission for Jesus. Not because I've got the will to do it, because I'm stronger than some people, I've got a stronger will than other people, no, 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 no. Not because I wait for an emotion to do it, I just don't feel like loving today. No, no, because we remember who Jesus is in the way that he treated us. So here's what we're, here's what we're getting to, and the, the band can, Colton, you can kinda of come help me close this out on keys here, but, but here's what we're getting to. We, we only actually believe as much of the Bible as what we practice. that's we, it. We can say we believe it, but, but we only believe as much as we actually do. Not as much as we hear, but as much as we actually put into, into practice. So the fourth thing, fourth thing is, we believe in the judgment of God, therefore we love well. Now we hear this word judgment, immediately our palms start to sweat, but if you were here over the last few weeks as we closed out our series, what does it mean to be human? You're kind of identified with this, but look at what James says in in verse 12. He says, so whatever you say then, so whatever tuo sati or whatever you do, it's just, we, we put the Greek words in here for you guys. You, you do, we're, we're, we, we go deep here on Sunday mornings, man. You, you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. You know what's funny about that, too? That is actually my fault. So, Lane, look at me. I wanted to take over. I, I told Lane this morning, there was a slide that was wrong, I was like, hey, let me just fix it really quick. He's like, you sure? I was like, yeah, I'll just fix it really quick. looks like I shouldn't have fixed it really quick. <laughs> You'll be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when He judges judges you. But here's what we got to get. Here's what we got to understand. That both Jesus and Paul assured believers, assured Christians, that we will never be judged for our sins. There's not going to be a moment in time where we'll be judged for no, we've been forgiven of our sins the moment we placed our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But but we will be judged for our works. They're going to be judged, and—but here's what we're really talking about here—they're going to be rewarded. Our works, the way in which we love people, they will be right. rewarded. What, what James is really saying here is that, that our beliefs should control our, our behavior. That, that we, because we believe in the judgment of God and the reward of God, then, then we can love people right. even when we don't get a reward from it. Right, that's right. Because we know that there will come a day come where we will be rewarded from it. So we can love people even when we know that they're not going to appreciate it. Right. Even when we know that they're not going to say thank you even when we know that it's not going to be on social media, even when we know that it's done in secret. We we can love people. Why? Because—that's the kicker right there—because we don't just live for the here and now. We live for—oh, we talked about this a few weeks ago. We live for for the, the there and then, right? And so we know that we're going to be rewarded as a result, and so therefore we can be, we can love people when we remember that this is the reason we're going to, there will come a point where we will be rewarded. And the last thing, the last thing right here, I'm closing right here. We believe in the work of God, therefore we love well. This is where James just kind of like, he's like, okay, I'm just going to kind of give you like one swift like uppercut in the gut right here, okay? And he says in verse 14, he says, so then. Again, all the same thought. He's saying, don't just be a hearer, be a doer of God's word. And the test is how you treat other people. So then what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say, here again, if you just say, if you, if you talk the talk, if you say you have faith but you don't show it, you don't walk the walk, you don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anybody? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has, they've, they've got no food, they've got no clothing, you say, all right, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, I'll pray for you, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good, what good does that do? So James is saying, he's like, he's like oh, we got to show. we got to show our faith, not just tell our faith. We, we, don't just, we don't just read about faith. We don't just grow in knowledge like we discussed last week. We, we grow in wisdom. Wisdom sends us on mission, knowledge just makes us feel like, well, I could sit back here and I could tell you everything wrong that you're doing, everything wrong that that church is doing, everything wrong that that individual over there is doing, everything wrong that the government's doing, everything wrong that that person's doing. Like, I could sit back and I could tell you all that, but wisdom says, well, why don't you get out and do something about it? Like, why don't you go, why don't, rather than just hearing it, why don't you go do it? Like, why don't you go love some people? That's the way in which we really, that's the way in which we really make a difference. And James saying, the true saving faith, it leads to... It leads to action, but catch this, we're not, we're not saved by good works. We're saved by grace and God's grace alone. We, we are justified by grace. We could not do anything in of our own strength in order to receive salvation from, from our Heavenly Father. That's not what we're saying, that's not even what James is saying. We are saved, though. We are saved for good works. So we're not saved by good works, but listen, the grace of God is free to us. Whoo! we got to get this right here, church. we got to get this right here. Oh. Holy Spirit, help us to get this right here. We... Salvation is free. Right? It's free. And, and, and you cannot over-preach the grace of God. You just can't. Like, I, I can't do it. It's so good, and it's, it's amazing. But there is a but. We, we receive salvation at no cost to us, but once we then receive it, it costs us everything. This is the part that we don't really talk about in American church today anymore, especially in my generation. But once we receive the salvation of God in our lives, Romans 12 even talks about, Paul even talks about, then we should surrender our lives to the Lord, as a ple- surrender our bodies to the Lord as a pleasing sacrifice unto Him, thereby we may receive and understand what the good and perfect and pleasing will of God is for, for our lives. We gotta, okay, so I've got it, now, now I don't just walk away and just do whatever I want, no, oh God, how could I not? want to give you every single part of my life so good, because of what you've done for me. I don't deserve it. And any one of us that feels like, well, I mean, I kind of deserve it. I think we have to then take a serious, like, examination of our lives and be like, am I even saved? Like, if I feel like I deserve anything from God, then I think we have to look in the mirror and be like, am I, am I even saved? Because to understand salvation is to understand that you don't don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve the wife I have, I don't deserve this community, I don't deserve you to be a part of this community. I I don't deserve my kids, I don't deserve my friends, I don't deserve any of it. I am the chief of all sinners. And to understand that fully then causes me to say, what do you want me to do, God? I'll do anything. What do, you, what do you want of me? Because nobody can really be saved by works, and no one can be saved, though, without then producing good works. Like, there's a fruit, then, to our lives that comes as a result of salvation. Like, so we gotta then, we do it, but we don't, again, don't get me wrong, we don't do it to be made right with God. No, no, we do it as an overflow of having already been made right with God. So I'm gonna close with this story right here. I read this in Tim Keller's book called Generous Justice. And he was telling the story of this woman that he was having a conversation with, and this is where we'll pick up, and he said, I asked her, what was so scary about unmerited free grace? What's so scary to you about understanding that you don't have to clean yourself up before you are made right with God? And she replied something like this, if I was saved by my good works, then there would be a limit to what God could ask of me or put me through. I would be like a taxpayer with rights. I would have done my duty, and now I would deserve a certain quality of life. But if it is really true that I am a sinner saved by sheer grace at God's infinite cost, then there's nothing that he cannot ask of me. Wow. And this woman, she, she's like, I don't, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I'm willing to accept that gift. And this is what James talks about. He says, no, when you receive it, then I, I, let's not just be hearers of it. Let's be... Let's be doers of it, because a mature follower of Jesus, as we grow in our faith, it's not about perfection, so don't misunderstand anything I'm saying here. Just come down and talk to my wife afterwards and be like, was Jordan talking about perfection? And she's like, well, if he was, he he's, should be preaching to himself. I'm not talking about perfection, I'm talking about progress. Like, is there a conviction in our heart? This is how you actually know. I don't have time to get into it, but this is how you actually know. Like, am I, like, is there something within me that, like, desires? Like, I want a desire, a desire to honor God through the way in which I live, not just by reading his word and worshiping, and, no, but by actually, by actually loving people well. If you've got that desire, that's it. That's it. It's not about perfection. It's just about making progress and continuing to lean into who Jesus is so we can, in return, show the world to Jesus or show Jesus to the world. So what would it look like, church, if you and I, if together we, we said, yeah, I want to I grow I want to grow as a follower of Jesus. What would it look like if all of us left on mission to say, I want to practice the truth. I know I'm going to get it wrong, but, but Jesus, that's what I want to do. I want to practice your truth, practice your teachings. God, I want to honor you in that way. What would that look like if the church of Jesus Christ today like lived what we read about? Like If Sunday morning wasn't just a gathering, but it was actually a way in which we're like, okay, now I'm going to go on mission. And I'm going to do that thing right there. I'm going to do that right there.